Good morning. It is Monday, July 19th, 2021, and this is DC Signal to Noise. Okay, since we last checked in, some of the best rains of the summer fell on the central and western Corn Belt, and they fell on one of the most active, severe weather days ever seen in Iowa. More than 25 tornadoes were recorded, and Jim, one of those tornadoes was within a half a mile of the bunker here. Oh, wow. Wow. I did not know that. Well, you're safe. Yeah, absolutely. Cut a nice path through the timber. So now there isn't much, if any, rain in the forecast, Jim, and the grain markets actually traded higher on Wednesday last week when it was raining, when all that rain was falling, an inch and a half here, which was more than I'd had in the previous 45 days. Um, because of the forecast, there's just not a lot of rain in there. No, and they're looking at the fill or the lack thereof, right? That's as, right. As the crop develops. Yep. Yeah, and we've got some heat coming in along with no rain. And even before the introductions, I like to talk a little bit about baseball for a moment. The Cubs won two of three in Arizona since the All-Star break. Nationals lost two of three against the Padres in D.C. And one of them we allowed... 24 runs cheaper by the two dozen yeah yeah <laughs> i i saw the score and i was i just thought no that can't be right hey there's 13 run pools that that are played you know if you score 13 runs because it's such a huge number 24 are you kidding me yeah it was My just I mean, you know, I turned it off way before, but still, when I saw the final tally. And then we had a little raucous yeah. time over the weekend with a suspended game. Usually a suspended game is because of weather. This case, it was uh, f- four shots at least outside the stadium. Yeah. Uh, and they had to suspend it. So I hope that's not the new normal there. Yeah. And it's it's like you mentioned over the weekend, Jim. You know, now we got to watch out for copycats on on at events like this, and yeah. uh, that's that's how people are. That's well, how people they'll are. just be perimeters around the ballpark, much like you have other uh, yeah. other yeah, other congressional offices here. So uh, you know, if 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 they keep it up, it's just a wild world now. That's right. That's right. All right, I'm AgriTalk host Chip Flory. That is Pro Farmer Policy Analyst Jim Wiesmeyer. Uh, before we look ahead, let's look back at some of the happenings, make sure that we understand the signals sure. that were sent. There, what, a couple of things happened at the end of last week, Jim, that I want to talk about. What is, there was another court ruling affecting the renewable fuel standard. Tell me about it. Well, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the you know district uh, ruled in favor of Enviro's uh, uh, you know chip, who challenged EPA's conclusion that the RFS levels for 2019 did not pose a danger to the habitats of endangered species. And the court said EPA violated the Endangered Species Act by not consulting, you know, with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and and other entities. So. Uh, it orders EPA to reassess the 2019 levels, but they rejected claims by the biofuel industry that EPA set the 2019 levels too low 
and a claim by refiners that the levels were set too high. So there's where some of the groups are saying it was a win-win, but this is just adds to the murkiness of the courts and the RFS, because it's not clear what impact the ruling is going to have. And right. history shows, uh, Chip, that it may not be a quick turnaround on a re-examination of the issue by EPA, because as you know, we're still waiting, uh, you know, for the RFS for the next two years. Yeah, Jim, normally when I see a ruling like this, it, it it's pretty clear what the impact is going to be. And I agree with you. I don't, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what the impact of this ruling is going to be <laughs> on the enforcement of the RFS, the willingness to enforce the RFS, uh, the willingness to allow for SREs or the, the renewable volume obligations that we're waiting on, like you just mentioned. Um, it, uh, I, I need time to digest this one yet, I think. Well, from an editorial perspective, Megan at Pro Farmer uh, emailed me or, or texted me Friday uh, at deadline time for the evening edition of Pro Farmer. And she said, should we cover this? I said, no because it's it's too murky so yeah sometimes you got to pull back because when when a conclusion is not clear you don't want to muck it up any more than it is dude that that was my exact reaction when davis said do we need to cover this on on agritalk on friday afternoon because it came out just before we went on the air oh yeah on friday afternoon and i was just like i don't understand the the what what this all means. So no, we, we probably had better stay away from it. I agree. Okay. We'll figure that out this week. Uh, DACA, a DACA ruling. What was this? Well, the DACA ruling was, you know, it wasn't, We most of us thought that Obama's initial ruling, executive order, by the way, was unconstitutional. And that's basically, you know, what a Texas federal judge on Friday ruled. Uh, so, uh, he didn't, he didn't stop. He didn't, it, it, well, he, it shields certain illegal immigrants from being deported It's unlawful and he blocked new applications from being filed. It does not impact existing, you know, dreamers here. However, this is going to put pressure on Congress and the administration to come up with a new solution. So watch these pending infrastructure bills for for this area, you know, Chip. But I thought what was ironic is President Biden said he was going to appeal something that a federal judge ruled uh, was uh, illegal, yet they won't appeal something uh, regarding meat processing line speed. So again, the oddities of Washington continue. Yeah. Yeah, that that it's still a, a major point of frustration for many people in the hog industry that that is is hasn't been appealed at this point. I'm going to jump forward a little bit, Jim, since we're talking sure. DACA. Uh, there's it, there's a uh, judiciary, a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing on immigrant farm workers and feeding America on Wednesday. It, it, it's a it's another information gathering session is that what it is absolutely and it'll show once again that the u.s ag sector needs additional workers and with a realistic look at the immigration uh you know topic that's needed but until you have these warring 
you know, you don't want to have amnesty, a blanket amnesty, but yet that's what some Democrats are going to try to push in this reconciliation measure. I don't know whether the parliamentarian will will allow that because that's policy on a on a budget reconciliation bill that usually is thrown out. So we have several hurdles regarding this, but information yeah. is always good. But I think the ag sector already knows that yeah. we need workers, whether it's meat processing, horticulture industry, uh, you know, forestry industry, et cetera. Uh, Chip, we have the information. That's Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And there's been so many times that it feels like we get close. The Modernization uh, Act, uh, the Farm Worker Modernization Act, felt like it was going to get some momentum going. And then all of a sudden, it, it feels like it gets pulled back because those that are looking for a bigger overall adjustment to the immigration plans realize if they give it up on farm labor, they're losing leverage to get what they might want someplace else, right? Yes, absolutely. And you saw where the migrant surge continues along the southern border. The Customs and Border Protection, uh, you know, reported that uh, some uh, almost 190,000 migrant encounters in June, and they made more than a million arrests at the border so far this fiscal year. And that's that's already more than a full year total since at least 2005. So, so this open border, they can call it a closed border, but it's not. It's, it, not. it's open. It's it's. Yeah you know, free fall. Okay. Um, let's, let's take a look at a couple of things over the weekend. OPEC and Russia reached a deal, right? Yeah. And uh, it's, it's, it's hit the uh, crude oil, yeah. you know, prices today. Uh, you know, what they did is uh, they, they agreed to increase production by 400,000 know, barrels daily and, uh, you know, that was restoring the capacity chip that they cut at the start of the uh, 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 pandemic. Mm -hmm. And uh, the UAE, United Arab Emirates, got, got what they wanted, uh, uh, the okay to increase their baseline, you know, for uh, oil production. So uh, we thought that was going to happen a few weeks ago, but they finally came to an agreement. But, uh, you know, they got a goal of eliminating a 5.8 million barrel per day cut by September 2022. So short-term and long-term developments, but it, it, it means more oil output as demand clearly is roaring back here. Yeah, certainly is. Crude oil futures now are off about two and a half bucks. Uh, we've got the WTI market back under 70 bucks a barrel. So it is putting some pressure on the market. I don't think there's any question about that, Jim. And that'll please um, the White House, who is, was, is getting worried about the inflation. Uh, so I think uh, that will at least stabilize the gasoline prices you know, for a while as we go into the uh, you know vacation season. Right, right. Which is going to, which would fit with Jerome Powell's, the chairman of the Fed's argument that the inflationary pressures are transitory. And once we get past an initial surge of the economy, that things will cool back to where we were pre-pandemic when there was no indication that we were going to see an increase in interest rates or a, a tightening of monetary policy. Yes. He, and last week, like, he, he admitted, Chip, last week that he was getting nervous. So. Yep. Yep. Well, <laughs> at I least said he's realistic there. <laughs> I, 
you know, I am. Not, I normally am not in agreement with with Powell on on the big picture issues. On this one, I'm kind of riding the same um, high wire, trying to figure out is this going is this real inflation or is it just a a um, a, a temporary happening for the economy? I'm I I've thought about it. I looked at a few things over the weekend. I'm still in the camp that we're not we're not going to have a stronger economy when we get to the recovery than what we had pre-pandemic. Yes. And therefore inflation should remain under control, Jim. Yeah, and and the, the Fed doesn't want to be the reason uh, for making a strategic policy mistake by increasing rates or tapering too soon, Chip, because that could uh, lead to a recession, and that's the worst thing. Because if they, uh, if 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 they have to start uh, doing it and, and make a mistake, then then we're in you know uh, very uncertain times on the uh, uh, economy. And the Bank of Japan just came out and they added their voice to those indicating that it's just transitory because they're saying the same thing you you know that the Fed is so. We have two real big, econ- you know, central banks from two major economies saying the same thing. Right, right. Okay. Um, also, over the weekend, uh, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen made some interesting comments on the Phase One trade agreement. Yeah, it tells me that she, you know, she just said that, uh, I want to get her quote right, it failed to address the fundamental problems we have with China. Uh, I think she needs to reread the phase one agreement because, and then she mentioned that the tariffs uh, were set up wrong. The phase one agreement did not put the tariffs in place. And U.S. trade representatives' uh, office is reviewing China's trade policy, and that's still ongoing. So uh, I think she got ahead of herself on this one. And if she really knew the significance of the phase one agreement, while not perfect, it was a significant pusher to get uh, China uh, to purchase a, a, a huge amount of corn, meats, and of course, continued buys of soybeans. But it's on those other side agreements, uh, yeah. you know, Chip, as we well know, that that really solidified a far better trade working relationship when it came to, you know, when it comes to agriculture. So I, uh, I just think this is one of the rare times I've seen that Janet Yellen did not do her homework. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. What about on the, um, the ransomware and the, and the, the cyber attacks, where, where does the Biden administration stand on that with China? Well, all the Wall Street Journal was the first one to report it, then the New York Times quickly after, and they said the White House today plans to publicly blame hackers affiliated with China's Ministry of State Security for a major cyber attack on uh, Microsoft uh, emails, you know, software, what was it, a few weeks ago. So, uh, and equity traders are focusing on that chip, you know, today and also on the continued run-up in the COVID uh, cases. Although the new COVID cases are not seeing 
the the same amount of uh, hospital uh, entries nor deaths. So, uh, you know, that could be hyped a bit much. But uh, we have COVID news and we have this uh, China news relative to the, uh, you know, cyber attacks that have, uh, you know, cast a negative tone in overall equity and, you know, uh, and uh, financial markets already this week. Right. Right. Okay. Anything else uh, from the weekend, Jim, that uh, you wanted to focus on? No, those were those were the main ones, you know, okay. because we're gearing up, Chip, as you well know, this week to whether or not Wednesday is going to be D-Day yep. uh, from uh, the on the Senate side. Uh, Chuck Schumer, the majority leader, has says that he wants to start the process on both infrastructure bills, the physical and the human infrastructure bill. But boy, over the weekend, uh, it, it was, you know, uh, um, Senator Rob Portman, Republican from Ohio, told CNN that they uh, drew back on using pay-fors for uh, IRS, uh, you know, yeah. having more agents there in the physical infrastructure bill. I truly think the Democrats are going to keep that for the budget reconciliation bill. So we're still trying to find savings, Chip. That tells me, I don't know what they're going to do Wednesday, but we're not going to have all the information we need for, for any, for any particular votes. Okay. All right. I want to dig into that just a little bit more. Just a sure. reminder that if you would like to participate in the conversation, look at the comments tab over on the right side of your screen. And that's where you can file that. We've already had a couple chime in on this one. And Melody, you are exactly right. When we were talking about weather at the start of the show, and there's too much heat in the West, too wet in the East. And that is that is exactly right. So it's not just too dry in the middle of the country in the Western Corn Belt, Northwest production areas, uh, where we got kind of a shocker of a uh, spring wheat crop estimate last Monday. Boy, that that was a that was a, a an eye opener and got everybody thinking about corn and soybean yields. But yeah, it's it's something to watch there. Uh, Gary's got a question for you on dairy policy or the dairy payments here, Jim. Yeah. Any new news on dairy programs? The timeline, direct payment info. The no, uh, and will we continue to ask that each day? It's coming. But, uh, you know, I guess they're looking for a particular spot on the dairy uh, on, on the uh, on the donation program. The rule is still over at the Office of Management and and Budget. And let me go over I'm trying to see the. Yeah, we have extra dairy payouts is still awaited. That's around seven hundred and twenty five to seven hundred and fifty million dollars. We have $700 million, uh, no, a little, uh, a little shy of $600 million in additional, you know, DMC payments still pending. And the dairy donation program is still over at the Office of Management and Budget. And that's planned at $400 million. So that's a chunk of change here. And, and that's the reason why we got that question. I think it's yeah. spot on. Yeah. Yeah, very good. You know, last week there was another payment program announced uh, for, well, I don't know how detailed it was, but there's going to be payments out to hog producers that were forced to euthanize some of the animals. There was a mention of an additional program that would be there to compensate some producers for losses, even if they didn't euthanize 
but if they had to sell hogs into a, you know, into a market that was severely depressed, in other words, they basically gave them away instead of having them, instead of euthanizing them, um, that there would be some compensation for them too, right? Yes, absolutely. That gives the Secretary Vilsack flexibility here, you know, there. And he has mentioned that on AgriTalk yeah. uh, as a, 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 you know, a, a, you know, a lot now, about a month ago. Yeah. Uh, but we still don't have information relative to the contract hog producers. That's kind of in, like an algebraic equation, Jeff. <laughs> Nobody seems to have an answer to that. So I, I Vilsack, to be fair, keep saying that they need new regulations or additional regulations. So, and we all know how long it takes for some issues to get through the office management and budget and approve. So yeah. maybe, the, you know, that's the simple reason behind the lack of an announcement relative to those contract hog producers. Right. Okay. Uh, you mentioned Wednesday, a big day for the infrastructure bill, not only the hard infrastructure, but the human infrastructure. Well, you you mentioned how one of the potential pay fors has kind of been shot down. The increasing the the uh, staffing at IRS to close up a bunch of the loopholes or whatever it is, increase the audits. Uh, any other? Is there any developments on the tax increases? The the proposals out there, Jim. Well, they're getting pushback from not only Republicans, of course, who that's a red line to them. Now, this remember, this is part of the reconciliation. So this is the go-it-alone bill. So you really have to focus on the Democrats. But even a number of Democrats don't want uh, the corporate tax, uh, you know, as high as the White House is saying. So, and on capital gains, uh, w whatever has been announced, Chip, it'll be much lower levels. And even the the agriculture portion, there, there's been a movement to carve out an exemption yeah. for agriculture. But, you know, some pretty smart thinkers tell me, you know, watch this carve out language if there is some. Sometimes there's problems in implementing any carve out. In other words, they're telling me that it, it, it could be shady as far as whether or not it would be effective. So, again, what we're raising are more hurdles rather than answers right now. But I'll tell you one thing. Three and a half trillion dollars. You had President uh, Biden Friday with Chuck Schumer saying it will be done. They'll get it done. And while many people in this town say they won't, you know, finish that, uh, you know, bottom line, they have enough money to to offer centrist and other Democrats to come on board because they need every. Democratic vote in the Senate in order to pass this. And as we've said before, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, Democrat from California, says she will not move even on the physical infrastructure bill until the Senate passes the budget reconciliation. So uh, the, those things have not changed, but they're, they're in the search for the parameters of not only the PFARs, but what types of tax increases, polluter import fees. You know, we, we saw the development last week that uh, Rod and Biden, the, uh, you know, Senate Finance Committee chairman is pushing what they're calling polluter 
import fees uh, to, yeah. to, 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 and that's going to raise the carbon uh, tax that would definitely be, be a negative impact on the U.S. ag sector because of fertilizer, because of the raw materials, uh, you know, steel and aluminum for farm equipment. So again, a lot of high anxiety. So the next uh, month or so is going to be very important to see how these issues unfold, Chip. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we talked about the carbon tariff, if that's another thing that we could call it, on Friday on the free-for-all with Sean Haney uh, from Real Agriculture, Real Ag Radio. I thought that was a very interesting conversation. I want to go back to the carve-out very quickly, Jim. Sure. Because when when I read your report on it, it says the budget deal seeks to acknowledge those uh, those concerns by calling for a budget resolution to bar tax increases on small businesses, small businesses, and family farms. How do you then why define, do it? How do you, well, how do you define those? But you know? <laughs> then why do it? That's where the money is going to come from. Yeah, well, yeah. If if, if they keep on willing down, willowing down the payfars, so I think there's going to have to be some deficit financing in this three. <laughs> and a half trillion dollars you know once you have something this huge uh you're gonna have issues chip yeah. but and and look at this biden again said these are quotes that this is going to be the biggest spending since the new deal yeah. well the new deal is when we were going through a depression yeah. And we're going through nothing even similar. We're worrying about inflation now yeah. and a pretty good uh, economy for now, even though it's going to settle down over the second yet half of this year. So again, you just shake your heads. But Democrats see this as a once in, I think, a lifetime, not a you know, a chance to really significantly change the scope and depth of government programs. Period. Okay. Couple of other areas here. Uh, Stabenow isn't very impressed with the amount of money dedicated to conservation issues. She wants a lot more money. Uh, you know, put a number on it. Again, I'll, yep. I'll, I'll you, know, you know quote the algebra: forty billion, fifty billion more added to conservation, really as as a way to deal with the coming unfolding of the climate change provisions in how they impact the ag sector and this will help them move to more of a conservation type program relative to the carbon credit so i think her idea is okay there and there's also a benefit in her judgment and i think she's spot on there that this would mean a higher baseline going into the new farm bill whenever it is written. Now, the Democrats are starting to say that they want to start the 2023 farm bill process later this year. Well, they may start it, but they're not going to end it because right. we don't know that nothing's major is going to happen until after the 2022 elections, Chip. But Stabenow usually gets what she wants. I will say that. She's, she's effective and she has a very effective staff. So I wouldn't dismiss this huge increase in conservation spending tied into the budget reconciliation package. Got it. Got it. Okay. Uh, give us an update on broadband, because I've seen the money the money jump from forty three billion to fifty billion. Now it's sixty five billion. Well, sixty five is in the total is in the total infrastructure package, if the physical infrastructure package. Then we had the House Ag Committee 
uh, sign off on $43 billion just for the rural sector. I okay. mean, some of these numbers are just mind boggling. But uh, I think some of the provisions in the House Ag approved bill are good that gives some muscle to states to take on these major uh, internet companies. Uh, and we've, we've seen that in North Dakota. Anyone who wants to know how to do effective high-speed, not just internet, high-speed internet in a rural state, look at North Dakota. Uh, because they've done it right, and they challenged the big companies years ago, and they have a very effective program. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I know more than a couple of producers up there in, in North Dakota that when I ask them the question about their internet service, they're like, oh, no, it, it, we've got fiber, and we've had it for years. Yes. <laughs> so it phenomenal. can be done and nobody's looking at, you know, they throw these billions of dollars. I wish Vilsack would take a look at uh, North Dakota and clone it. I mean, you know, you, yeah. you, you talk about cloning. Let's clone that one, Jim. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff, Jim. Um, okay. Last thing I want to do in the week ahead, Friday, Tokyo uh, Olympic opener here on Friday. It's going to be uh, it, it's a year delayed because of the pandemic. We've got a couple of cases of COVID already uh, confirmed on the U.S. team after they've arrived in Tokyo. Yes, it's going to be uh, it's going to be hectic, isn't it? Yes, it will. And just uh, and we're going to see. It's going to be interesting to see who they have in the stands. I was been told they're going to have these robots in the stands. So from a, I'm just, I think that's going to be interesting to see, but it's a shame that we still don't have the world ready for something such as, such as high interest as, 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 uh, as the Olympics, Jeff. I do want to add one thing, Jeff, before yeah. we go off. Uh, we got the word from a couple oh, lawmakers yeah. and congressional staff to find out what farmers and others are saying of how they think we, they could improve USDA's estimates relative to NAS and USDA's forecast relative to the world board. So we put out that call to pro farmer members. And uh, with this, if any listener or reader has some suggestions on uh, not only what's wrong, okay, we I think we know what's wrong, but you may want to comment, but areas to improve. Yeah. And we're already starting to get some very solid analysis from farmers and industry users of the information. So let your views known because it looks like uh, Congress is going to take a look at this e internally or externally with USDA. Yeah, very good. Very good. We're going to be talking more about that in the weeks ahead, I'm sure, Jim. Absolutely. All right, buddy. Hey, thank you so much. We sure. are going to turn up the volume on what's happening in D.C. on AgriTalk at 10.06 Central and get the market updates at 2.06 each afternoon this morning. American Farm Bureau Federation President Zippy Duvall, Jim. Ooh. Uh-huh. Yes. You yes, like that yes. one for, to kick Absolutely. off on Monday morning? Yeah, he's he's always good to quote. He's got the farmer quotes in him, so that's why Absolutely. I like him. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, Jim, have a great week. Sure. Keep watching for all those signals.